years. And it has been a great blessing to so many churches. Let's welcome us again to our pulpit, Dr. Norris Belcher. I don't know why I brought my phone up here. I don't have time to call anybody. <laughs> but uh, I just got up and walked up here with my phone in my hand. I guess it's just a habit, right? Yeah. Oh, thank you, buddy. You can leave it here. Should you do what? Just leave it here. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, good evening, everyone. Good evening. It's good to see all of you here, and thank you so much for the music. It was wonderful, as always, and I uh, sure do appreciate all the kindness that you folks have shown to me, and I've uh, just been absolutely delighted to be here. And uh, thank you so much for uh, for attending and for driving all over Auckland to be in the services. I do appreciate that so much. And um, I wish I could take all of us to Sydney together. Wouldn't that be a good idea? Yeah, that'd be great, wouldn't it? So, yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, but I, I tell you what, I would like to to make an offer to you guys. Um, if, uh, if, if some of you would like to go uh, down to... Um, yeah. No, not Australia. <laughs> yes, where, where, brother, um, where, where, where our brother um, is the pastor. Um, how do you say that, Pakatani? Pakatani. Wakatani. Wakatani. That's what it looks like, isn't it? <laughs> All right, but if you would like to go, but you don't, um, you you can't, maybe you can't uh, afford a room or whatever, um, let Pastor uh, know, and, uh, and and I I will cover your room for you. All right. Oh, six little bastard. <laughs> <laughs> Sixteen of us. Sixteen of us. No. No. You totally misunderstood. Just joking. But I know you are. But but seriously, if if you would if you would like to go, but you can't afford to go, uh, let Pastor know, and and we don't want. I don't want finances to keep any of you from going. Yeah. And um, so, uh, uh, of course, you'd have to hitchhike down there. But, uh, <laughs> but that's that's life. And, all right. Well, anyway, uh, I hope that can work out, and we could have a uh, a good showing uh, down the road. Brother Lewis has a. Uh, he has a, an exciting way about him. I just. Uh, I, I have really enjoyed getting to know him. I found out one thing, he's crazy. <laughs> crazy as he can be, but, uh, but that's a good thing, you know. So he, and I, he and I blend together pretty good. Uh, but I've enjoyed so much being here. Thank all of you guys for your kindness to me. I really do appreciate it. And um, so uh, we'll, we'll just uh, continue on, all right? Pray for us while we are in Sydney, um, we, we need the Lord's blessing and the Lord's hand upon our efforts, and we sure appreciate you folks holding us before the Lord in prayer. 
All right, so uh, let's take our Bibles tonight and go to the book of First Kings, First Kings chapter 18. First Kings chapter 18. And I will begin reading in verse 21. All right, verse 21. All right, and uh, I tell you, it's called hot in here. Why don't y'all just remain seated? Is that all right? If we get up and get down, we're just going to sweat more. All right, so you follow along as I read. We'll do verse, uh, start in verse 21. All right, verse 21, and uh, you follow along in your Bible as I read. This is a wonderful story. Uh, to be honest with you, I love this story. Uh, I have preached from this passage of Scripture just a number of times through the years, and, uh, and it just, it's just always a blessing to my heart. Uh, I'll point out a couple of things about Elijah here that I just admire. I just admire I mean, what a guy Elijah was. All right, look at verse 21. The Bible says, And Elijah came unto all the people and said, How long halt ye between how many opinions? Two. Two. All right, you'll notice that there's always uh, uh, this dichotomy in the Scripture. All right, uh, I pointed out to you the other night, light and darkness. Jesus said the straight, narrow way or the broad way that leads to destruction. And so here, uh, he says, how long halt you between two opinions? If the Lord be God, that's opinion number one, then follow him. But if Baal, that's opinion number two, then follow him. Now notice, and the people, and the people answered him, not a word. So he asked the question and nobody said anything. All right, read on. Then said Elijah unto the people, I, even I only, remain a prophet of the Lord. But Baal's prophets are 450 men. Let them therefore give us two bullocks and let them choose one bullock for themselves and cut it in pieces and lay it on the wood and put no fire under. And I will dress the other bullock and lay it on the wood. Lay it on the wood, all right? And put no fire under, all right? So do you see what? You see what uh, he's doing here? He is, there's going to be a showdown, all right? There's going to be a showdown. And, uh, and in this showdown, it's going to be between God and Baal. And so he says, get two bullocks, get two animals for sacrifice, and you get yours ready, and, uh, and, and then I'll get mine ready. And the God that answer it by fire that's God. Okay. Now look, look, um, look at, uh, look down at verse uh, twenty-four. It says, "And call ye on the name of your God, and I will call on the name of the Lord, and the God that answereth by fire, let him be God." And all the people answered and said, 
it is well spoken. All right, now um, let's uh, let's read just a couple more verses here. It says that Elijah uh, said to unto the prophets of Baal, "Choose you one bullock for yourselves." and dress it first. Now that doesn't mean putting a skirt on it, all right? <laughs> you understand that, right? All right, when he said dress it, he, he meant uh, uh, clean it, you know, in the entrails, uh, I hate to say this, but gut the, de uh, gut the bullet, okay? Uh, that's the idea, get it ready for cooking. So, so uh, he said uh, that, that dress it and uh, prepare it. And so, um, and then he said, and call up on the name of Baal from, uh, from the morning even until noon, saying, O Baal, hear us. But there was no voice nor any that answered. And they leaped upon the altar which was made. And it came to pass at noon that Elijah mocked them. Oh, I like that. <laughs> I like that. He, he, he started to mock them. What did he say? Well, look at it. Cry aloud, for he is a God. Either he is talking or he is pursuing or, uh, you know, maybe he's talking to somebody or he's chasing somebody, uh, looking for something, or he's on vacation. <laughs> All right? Maybe he's, on, maybe he's on holiday. You never know. And uh, he said, or... Lewis. He's sleeping. You know, your, your God Baal just might be asleep. Won't, won't you get a little louder? You might wake him up. You know? So he's just mocking these people. I think it's I think it's hilarious. <laughs> Alright? And so look at verse 28 says, And they cried aloud and cut themselves after uh, their manner with knives and lancets until blood gushed out uh, upon them. Well, I don't think that was very smart, do you? I mean, that's kind of foolish. Take a knife and cut yourself, trying to get your God to answer you. What God, what kind of God is that? You know? I mean, really. All right, so what happened? Well, here's what happened. Uh, look at verse 30. Elijah said unto all the people, Come near unto me, and all the people came, and he repaired the altar of the Lord that was broken down. You see, right there was the problem. The altar was broken. There was no communication with God among these people. They had gotten away from God, so to speak. All right, it says uh, in verse 31 that Elijah took 12 stones according to the number of the tribes of the sons of Jacob, uh, uh, unto whom the word of the Lord came, saying, Israel shall be thy name. And so verse uh, 32, he built an altar. <clears throat> verse number 33, he put the wood in order, and he cut up the bullock uh, and laid it on the wood, filled four barrels of water, uh, and, and said to them, Look here, fill four barrels of water. Now folks, what you've got to remember here is that uh, back in chapter uh, 17, we find that Elijah pronounced famine 
upon the people. So there was no water. All right? A famine comes when the water stops. So when, when God turned the water off, when God turned the rain off, that's when the famine came. And now it's, uh, it's three and a half years later, and, and, and so, uh, so where are they? Well, they're in a situation where water is precious. It's precious. And what does Elijah do? He tells them, you take four barrels of water. Barrels, not buckets. Barrels. And you pour it upon the sacrifice. Now, read on. What else does it say he did? All right, it says, um, it says, uh, let's see, uh, and uh, verse 32, uh, no, verse 33, I'm sorry. And he put the wood in order and then said, fill four barrels and pour it on the sacrifice and on the wood. Now watch. And he said, do it the what? Second time. So now you've got eight barrels of water on that altar. Then he said, do it the third time. And they did it the third time. And the water ran around about the altar, and he filled, and he filled the trench also with water. And it came to pass at the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice that Elijah the prophet came near and said, Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and of Israel, let it be known this day that thou art God in Israel and that I am thy servant and that I have done all these things at thy word. Hear me, O Lord, hear me, that this people may know that thou art the Lord God and that thou hast turned their heart back again. Now, isn't that a simple little prayer? You know, there's not big fancy words in that prayer. Uh, Elijah didn't get a dictionary out and tried to figure out uh, what uh, what's, what's, uh, fancy words he could use and, and uh, you know, appeal to the, to the intellect of all those people standing around. No, he just simply prayed a simple prayer. He said, Dear Lord, show these people that you're God. Show these people that I am your servant. Amen. Lord, do your work here. Amen. And what happened? Look at the next phrase. It says in verse 38, Then the fire of the Lord fell and consumed the burnt sacrifice and the wood and the stones and the dust and licked up the water that was in the trench. And when all the people saw it, they fell on their faces and they said... Don't forget, verse 21, if the Lord be God, follow him. But if Baal, then follow him. And the people answered him, not a word. But when they saw the fire come out of heaven and knew that it was the fire of God that had fallen, the Bible says, 
Then they fell on their faces and they said, The Lord, He is God. The Lord, He is God. Folks, I'm telling you, where we are today is in verse 21. That's where we are today. Yeah. Amen. We're in verse 21. I mean, the preacher stands up and says, Hey, folks, uh, uh, God is the God of heaven. And we just all sit there and look at Him. You know, we have become hardened to God's truth, haven't we? But what, what took place here is God showed up. The fire of God fell out of heaven. And when that fire fell upon that altar and consumed the whole thing, then those people knew. Don't forget, they had spent all morning crying out to their false god, Baal. And nothing happened. Nothing. And then Elijah just walks up and prays a simple little prayer and boom, here it comes. The fire of God fell. All right, let's pray together. And I want to speak to you on this subject, the fire of God in my life. Amen. The fire of God in my life. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, thank you so much for your word. Bless this to our hearts tonight. I pray you'll fill me with your spirit and help me this evening. I want to be a blessing. Father, the only way I can be a blessing is if you help me. So I pray the Holy Spirit will move and work. And Father, may, may, the, uh, may, may the Word of God come across clearly and profoundly tonight. And may it shake us from our apathy and stir us beyond measure. Father, we need fire from heaven. We need uh, your blessing. We need your hand upon us. We don't need wildfire, but we need fire from heaven. So, Father, I pray that you will bless. In Jesus' name we ask it. Amen. Amen. Well, old Elijah had those prophets of Baal. He challenged them. And then he had them go through all of their ritual, uh, trying to get the, the uh, false god Baal to work, to do something. And, of course, we know the story. Uh, there is no God, Baal. Yep. Baal is the devil. Yep. All right? And so God just put his hand on the devil and said, sit still. That's in the Hebrew. See, you got to know Hebrew. I'm so, I, I know uh, those ancient languages. All right? No, I don't. Yeah. No, I don't. I'm kidding. But God said, you just sit there. Don't say a word. And so what did they do? Well... They started taking knives and cutting themselves and dripping their blood on the altar. They were hoping beyond hope, hoping beyond hope that Baal would have pity upon them and would come to their rescue and send fire upon their altar. But that didn't happen. And then Elijah steps up. And he builds an altar with 12 stones and dug a trench around the, the uh, altar that he built and he put the wood in order upon it and then asked for water to be poured in on top of it. 
Now, folks, think about that. My, my, my. Water? They're in a drought. They're in a famine. And this crazy preacher is wanting us to pour water on the, the, the altar that we've built? I mean, man, this is, this is it's amazing. And uh, so, he built, so Elijah builds the altar, then tells them, get, get water. So they got four barrels. Then he said, do it again. There's four more. Then he said, do it again. There's 12 barrels of water. Now, you know why I think, I think that he stopped with three? Well, first of all, three is the number of completion in the Bible. All right? That's the number of completion in the Bible. God is Father, Son, Spirit, and these three are one, complete. All right? These three are one, complete. When God made us, uh, He made us in His own image. Now, He's three, yet one. And when God made Adam and Eve, He made us three, yet one. You are a body, and you are a soul, and you are a spirit. Okay? What is death? Death is the separation of the soul and spirit from the body. And so you're incomplete. But when you have all three together, you are complete. And so uh, he said, uh, he said uh, do it three times. But there's another reason. I think that 12 barrels was all they had. I think that was probably all they had. They, uh, he used, he told them to bring the water. You see, they were dependent upon that water. That's all they had. And I think the reason that there was uh, uh, 12 barrels is because that's all they had, 12 barrels of water. So he emptied them uh, of, of their water supply. Now, here, here after that, here's what happened. We're told in verse 36, he prayed a little simple prayer, and then, boom, the fire fell. The fire fell. Now, think about this, folks. No matches. All right? Uh, no gasoline. No kerosene. No diesel, no crying, no begging, no tricks, no leaping, no gyrating, no sermon, no choir, no solo, no quartet, no, no uh, trio, no uh, quintet, no septet, or an octet, or any tets. <laughs> no special music at all. No, he just prayed... And boom, the fire fell. Amen. Wow. You know, we uh, these others, notice here, folks, the other one, they worked themselves into a frenzy, didn't they? I remember when I was a kid, I was taken to an Arminian church where, where the priest, you, could, you had to pray through. And where if you get saved, 
and then you sin, you have to get saved again. All right? That is not in the Bible, by the way. Not in the Bible. Now, here's the, here's the thing, though. Here, here's the thing. Uh, if you sin, then you lose your salvation. But if I sin, then I just made a mistake. All right, you with me on that? All right, who's going to make those decisions is what I want to know. Well, they do. And I, I can remember as a child that during the invitation, they come and get me, drag me to the altar, and scream like God was deaf. Oh, God, save this. And I said, would y'all stop? You scared me to death. <laughs> I mean, I'm just a little kid. And they're down there screaming like God has a hearing problem. <laughs> and God does not have a hearing problem. All right? And so, uh, no speaking in tongues, no healing service. Uh, uh, you know, he just prayed and boom, the fire fell. The fire fell. Now, folks, too many churches can readily identify with the prophets of Baal, and, uh, and they go through a lot of motion and a lot of emotion, but they get no fire. And what we ought to be doing is trying our best to realize that we as believers need God's hand, God's power, God's fire upon us. We need a fire burning in our bones yeah. so that, uh, so that uh, we have the power of God as we serve. Yeah. I forget which preacher it was in America, but one of the uh, old-time preachers said that he was just going to set himself on fire and folks could come and watch him burn. Now, he didn't mean literal fire. When I was, uh, when I was um, about uh, in, in my early 20s, I was preaching a revival meeting uh, at a church, and it was only about uh, 35 minutes from where my aunt lived, uh, or I could drive uh, two hours to get home. Well, I decided that several nights of that week I would just stay at my aunt's house. And, uh, and so uh, I was uh, in bed that night, and, and all of a sudden I heard dogs barking, and I heard sirens going off. I heard people shouting. I heard uh, trucks coming and, and uh, uh, coming down the road and, and up the road and everything else. And, and it was loud, and it woke me up. And I went out on the porch where, where I could see what was going on. And we were kind of up on a hill looking down upon uh, where two roads came together. And right there where they came together, there was a house that had caught fire. And by the time I got out there to see it, the flames were shooting out the roof. I mean, the people got out, no one was hurt, but, uh, but nonetheless, that, that house burnt down. And I'm standing there watching this from uh, like, a, like an eagle's nest perspective, you know. I'm away from it, but yet uh, it was a cold, crisp night, and I could hear 
uh, everything that was happening, and I'm standing there watching all this, and it occurred to me, everybody and his dog was at that fire burning. Everybody came. Why? The house was on fire. They wanted to see the burning house. I mean, it, it, you know, they all came every direction. There were women out there with their bathrobes on and shaking and, and freezing to death. There were men out there holding hoses and, uh, for the fire company and trying to put the fire out, but it was just too big and the flames were shooting up and you could hear the popping and the crackling of the wood and everybody in that area came out to watch that thing burn. You know, folks, I think if the church would get on fire for God, that it would attract some people to see what's going on. Amen. I really think that's true. The most, uh, the, the, uh, the biggest advertisement for your church is you. Amen. Yeah. Yeah. You go out here and rent a, a sign on the side of the road, you can put advertisements professionally done on television. You can, uh, uh, you know, pass out uh, little flyers on the street corner and advertise. But the greatest advertisement for your church is you. And let me say it this way. It is an on-fire you. Amen. An on-fire you. All right. Now. Let me, let me give you just a, a couple of things here. First of all, number one, I want us to look at a definition, a definition of fire from God. A definition, all right? It's interesting to me that once in the Old Testament and once in the New Testament, the Bible says, our God is a consuming fire. Our God is a consuming fire. In Deuteronomy 4 and verse 24, and then again in the New Testament in Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 29. Our God is a consuming fire. You see, we sing this song in our church, and I'm sure you sing it, Revive us again. Fill each heart with thy love. May each soul be rekindled with fire from above. What I mean by that is the manifest presence and glory of God in my life. The manifest presence and glory of God in my life. I'm talking about supernatural power from God Almighty, where God enables and God empowers. You know, I made up my mind a long time ago when I first started into the ministry. I made up my mind that I did not want to just preach and, uh, uh, you know, give three points in a poem and uh, uh, pray and then everybody go home. I decided that I wanted God's power upon my ministry. When I preach, I want to see people make decisions for God. 
when I go soul winning, I want to see people responsive yep. to the message that I'm bringing them. And I, I have spent so much time, so much time through the years uh, while everybody else is asleep. I'm praying and saying, oh God, give me your fullness. Give me your power. Help me as I preach. Oh dear Lord, don't let me go in that pulpit without your unction, your Holy Spirit unction upon my message. Yeah. I, preached, I preached one night uh, at a church in, uh, in uh, what's the name of that town? Just outside of Charlotte, North Carolina. And, uh, and it was a revival meeting and I had been there all week long. It was Friday night, closing meeting, uh, closing service. And I did not know this. I did not know this. The pastor never told me what I'm about to tell you. But there were two ladies in his church who for 10 years had been at each other's throats. 10 years. And the preacher uh, uh, later told me, he said, I have done everything in my power to get these girls to sit down and iron out their difference and neither one of them would be willing to do it. And I said, I said, uh, wow. I said, boy, God really did something tonight, didn't he? I didn't know. I didn't know. And, and I got up and, and, and I started preaching. And don't you know that I made a comment about, about how folks in God's house need to get along. Yep. I, I made a comment that what we have in our churches today is, uh, is a whole lot of chiefs and not enough Indians. You know? <laughs> We've got people who want to tell others what to do. And boy, when that happens, war breaks out. And so these two gals had gotten into it over something that happened in the kitchen. And so, yeah, seriously, 10 years. And so one of the gals and her husband and all the folks in the church that were on her side, they sat over here. Then the other gal, she and all of her friends and all of her family sat over here and never shall the twain meet. They didn't speak to them. They didn't speak to them. I didn't know that. I didn't know that. So I get in there and start preaching. And uh, I just went to town on how we can't get along with one another. I said we are God's army. And we could conquer the world for the Lord Jesus Christ. If we don't kill one another first. <laughs> right? Amen. There's just too much of this, I hate her, that goes on in our churches. There's too much, I can't stand him. Listen, my friend, you're going to have to spend eternity with your Christian brother. <laughs> so you better learn how to get along with one another here. You say, well, when I get to heaven, I'll have a glorified body. Yeah, but I'm going to remind you of how stubborn you are. All right? Let me get out of that sun. <laughs> Where I go, it follows. There, right there. All right, you see what I'm saying, folks? We need God's hand on us. 
I don't want to fly off the handle every time someone uh, does me a, a wrong deed. You know, this this um, this lady went out of church several years back, and she that was her last service. That was her last service. And one of my assistant pastors said, Have, "Has anybody seen so and so?" And we all said, "No." We, we, you know, as a matter of fact, we haven't seen her. It's been a couple weeks now, hasn't it? And so one one of the fellows who's uh, who taught the Sunday school class she she is in. Uh, said, well, I'll go visit her. I'll go see. I'll go see if something's happened. So he went over to visit on Thursday night, and um, and when he got in the house, he 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 said, we've been missing you guys in church, and um, and the husband just turned and looked at his wife, you know, like, okay, explain explain it. It's not my doings. It's her doings. You explain it. So she starts to hem and haul, you know, uh, well, uh, 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 well, uh, and just all this. And he finally, my assistant pastor said, well, just come out with it. And she said, well, all right, here's what happened. Here's why I'm upset. And I said, I, uh, I, I, I was all ears when Bruce was telling me this. And uh, I sat there, you know, just glued, couldn't wait to hear. I thought... Man, something serious has happened. You ready? This is what happened. This is it. I was at the door shaking hands with folks on the last Sunday she was there. And this guy stopped and was asking me a question. And he would not turn my hand loose. I think he was wanting to make sure I answered him and he just held on to my hand. And I remember that she stopped and then she just walked around and left. Now, I didn't make a thing of it, you know? I mean, you know, stuff like that happens. Here's what she told my assistant pastor. That preacher didn't shake my hand. <laughs> Really? And she got mad over that. So I called her up on the phone the next day when Bruce told me I called her up. And I said, uh, don't be mad at me for not shaking your hand. I said, as a matter of fact, I was thinking real seriously that I should be mad at you for not waiting to shake my hand. <laughs> and she said, yeah, you're right, Pastor. That was kind of stupid, wasn't it? And I said, yeah, yeah, I agree. That was kind of dumb. She said, Preacher, I'm sorry. I said, I know. <laughs> I'm happy you got that. All right. I, she said, I'm sorry. I said, I know. <laughs> okay. But we laughed, and then everything was fine. All right? Why do we get mad over simple little dumb things like that? <laughs> you might know. You know, we, 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 we just, uh, here, here's another one. Here's another one. Here's another one. A fellow quit coming to church several years ago. This happened, uh, oh my, 35 years ago. This happened. But there was this fellow who, who, who quit coming to church. 
And uh, so I went to see him, and I said, uh, hey, man, where, where you been? Been missing you. And he said, uh, he said, well, he said, the church is getting too big. And I said, yeah, that's awful, isn't it? I mean, that's a terrible thing. People get to say, you know, coming to church, offerings going through the roof. I hate that. <laughs> yeah, just sarcastic. Yeah, joking, you know. Which gets me in a lot of trouble. <laughs> that's why I'm such a tender pastor. I just stay in hot water all the time. <laughs> yeah. And so I said, I said uh, he said, you know, Church getting too big, and I said, I said, uh, well, man, I mean, I'm sorry. I said, uh, you know, well, what can I do about that? He said, well, here's one thing you can do. I said, okay. He said, don't let anybody sit in my seat. <laughs> <laughs> now I don't assign seats <laughs> in my church. I don't assign seats. But I've noticed that everybody has an assigned seat. You know? I've noticed that. And he told me the story how he came in a little late one morning and some visitors sat in his seat. And he got offended. Bless his little heart. You know what I mean? Folks, listen, let's get God's power. Let's get God's hand upon us. Let's get past all this foolishness. Let's get past all this childish stuff. I mean, that's the way uh, 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 second graders behave, isn't it? Isn't that how second graders behave? And God's people certainly ought not to be acting like that. So I just feel like when I come to church, I need God's power, God's hand. I need God to help me. And by the way, you do too. Amen. Amen. You do too. Amen. All right, second thing I want you to see is a description. A description. All right, we saw the definition. But secondly, a description of what that fire does. A description of what that fire does. You see... God in the Old Testament is the same God uh, of fire in the New Testament. So you say, oh well, God's a God of fire in the Old Testament. No, He's the God of fire in the New Testament too. That means that He is the God of fire for you and for me. Oh, I need His hand, folks. I need His hand. Uh, a couple of years ago, well, it's been several years ago now, uh, I got invited to, to preach at, um, at Pensacola Christian College. And um, they had just built that brand new auditorium. You ready for this? It seats 6,000 people. 6,000. 6,000. We walked out on the platform, I walked out there and I looked up and I went, oh my, look at this. It was a Sunday night service and that place was packed. The balcony was packed, the main floor was packed, the orchestra pit was packed, the choir loft was packed, all the big shots, 
you know, sitting on the, on the rows up on the up on the platform, and I'm sitting there looking around, and I'm a little old, a little bit intimidated. You know, I mean, here I am, just this little hillbilly from West Virginia. You know, and there are six thousand plus people sitting out there ready to hear what I got to say. You say, what'd you do? Well, I quit breathing for about eight, ten minutes there. <laughs> but once I started breathing again, here's what I did. I said, Lord, you got to help me here. This is way out of my league. Way out of my league. And God helped. Amen. You know? First time I ever preached at the National Sword Conference, 2,500 people, uh, and, and most of them preachers, my peers. And then I looked down at the, at the program, and there's my name. Oh, my. I looked down at my little sermon, and I thought, man, that thing needs some help. <laughs> What'd you do? Ask God for help. And the Lord gave it. You see, God is the same God in the Old Testament as He is in the New Testament. And we tend to think that the God of the Old Testament is a God of fire, but the God of the New Testament is not. But folks, God has not changed. The only difference between the God of the Old Testament and the God of the New Testament is that in the New Testament, there is a lamb sitting to the right hand of God the Father. That's the only difference. Same God, however, a lamb who has given his life to satisfy the wrath of a holy and just God against sin. So folks, here's what happens. When the fire falls, God comes. God shows up. And when God shows up, people are more comfortable on their faces on the floor than they are sitting in their chairs. Yeah, yeah. They're more comfortable at the altar than they are standing and singing yeah. the hymn. Yeah. When the fire falls, I mean, listen, God gets a hold of hearts yeah. and things happen. Yeah. John, you remember, fell at his feet as though he were dead. The seraphim covered their faces from the overwhelming uh, 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 glory that uh, that they saw uh, in in the uh, uh, in the in, around the throne of God. I mean, how long, Christian? How long has it been since you've seen the glory of God in your life? How long since the fire of God has fallen upon your efforts to serve Him? I mean, how long since you have been uh, on your knees and praying and crying to God over your sin? How long has it been since you were on your knees praying for the Lord to do something in your family? How long has it been? I preached one Sunday night in the first church that I pastored. And I told the folks, I said, listen, why don't you get on your face and pray for God to help you this week to win somebody to Christ? Amen. 
Pray about it. Ask God to help you. Well, I gave the invitation and my whole church came to the altar. Everybody, even the piano player. There was nobody sitting in the pews, nobody at the instruments. Everybody was up front at the altar. And one of my men told me after church, he was a barber. He cut hair. And he said, Pastor, I have asked God to give me the opportunity to witness to the first person that comes in my shop tomorrow morning. I said, Jim, that's awesome, man. That's great. He said he couldn't sleep that night wondering who would be the first person to walk through his doors. And I said, well, Jim, tell the story. He said, well, Pastor, you're not going to believe it. I said, okay, I'll believe it. He said, here's what happened. He said, I was getting everything ready, and I went over and I turned the sign from close to open at 7 o'clock. And when I turned the sign, I walked back to the chair, and as I got to the chair, I heard the door open. He said, I turned around, and Pastor, the meanest man in Gilmer County walked through my door. <laughs> he said, I'm telling you, that man would cuss and, and, and use God's name in vain. He said, it would, it was just, it would just uh, make you sick the way that man cussed and talked about God. And uh, he said, when the guy got over and sat down in, in the chair, he said, uh, I want a shave and I want a haircut. And so Jim said, well, how about the shave first? Because he was all, you know, woolly and all that. Looked like a, looked like a, 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 a big old husky dog that sneezed and, you know, everything just came out like that. So he sat down in the chair, he put the thing around his neck, and uh, got him all lathered up, and, uh, and, and got, him, uh, got him ready, and then he took the, the, the razor in his hand and put his, put his hand underneath the guy's chin and said, uh, Bob, then what to ask you if you were to die today, do you Bob said, whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> and then it hit Jim. He was so nervous. And then it hit Jim what he had done. He said, oh, oh man, I, I, I don't mean I'm going to slit your throat. <laughs> he said, but what if I had slit your throat? <laughs> and he witnessed to that man. Man didn't get saved. He came to church about a month later and got saved, I understand. But he didn't get saved that day. But he did what he told God he was going to do. And then he spent all night praying about it. God, give me boldness. Help me. Give me the words to say. Folks, that is how the power of God works. Amen. That's how it works. In that little first church I had, I graduated from college, from, from university. I graduated from university in May. And then I pastored my first church right out of college, right out of, uh, out of the university. I didn't know what I was doing. I was 22 years old. 
I was so new. I was so green. You know, you could have thrown me out in the front yard and I would have taken root. That's how green I was. Okay. I mean, it was terrible. I had no clue what I was doing. But I majored in Bible and then I double minored. I minored in speech. You'd never know it, but I did. And I minored in English. You'd never know it, but I did. And so I knew how to put a sermon together, preacher. Oh, I knew how to do that. Oh, they were pretty too. Point one, point two, point three, A, B, A, B, A, B. Oh, it was perfect, perfect sermons. All alliterated, you know. They were impressive to me. I mean, I enjoyed them. I thought they were cool. But I would go in and preach my sermons, and, you know, I would preach and look around, and I noticed that nobody was listening. We had a, we had a, a church that was right by a river, and the people on this side were sitting there looking out the watching the river go by. <laughs> And the highway was over on this side, and the folks on this side were all looking out the highway, seeing who was going by the church. Oh, there goes so-and-so. There goes so-and-so. I'm just up there preaching away, and I thought, good grief. Nobody's listening. Wait, this guy in our church's name was Bill. B-I-L-O. Bill was a great guy. He was tall. And he had a long neck. <laughs> I mean, that neck was about that long. I <laughs> and he had a great big head, big head, that was attached to the top of that big long neck. <laughs> and about the time I said, my first point is, I'd see Bill <laughs> and that big old head would sit back there and flop on that long neck. He'd go forward and then he'd go back and then he'd go over to the side. And it got to the place where I was watching him. <laughs> because I thought, sure as I'm sitting here, he's going to flip that noggin off of his neck. And then the headlines in the paper the next morning would be, Baptist preacher bores a man to death in his church. So man, I'm watching him. And every Sunday it was the same thing. Every Sunday night, same thing. Oh man, preacher, did I get hungry. I got so thirsty for the power of God. I said, Lord, I don't think this is how it's supposed to be. And I don't think, you know, that I'm supposed to come in here and preach my King George Royal sermons, you know, three points perfection. I don't think I didn't think I was supposed to come in here and preach that and people sleep. I thought, wow, something something needs to happen. And I started praying. 
When my wife was sleeping, I was praying. When it was warm, I'm outside in the yard praying. Walking up and down my driveway just praying, God help us. Something's got to give. I can't, I can't do this. I cannot do If this is what preaching is all about, I can't do this. I mean, nothing is happening here. And one night, Karen went to bed. Saturday night, I stayed up. I had to do a little bit of work on the message for Sunday morning. And then I started praying. And the next thing I know, it was 3.30 in the morning. And I don't know, I didn't hear anything, I didn't see anything. There was no handwriting on the wall. You know? I never saw a 900 foot Jesus. You know, none of that. But I had a calm, a peace come over my soul. And I went to bed, slept like a baby, got up at seven, got dressed, went down to church. Well, everybody filed in. They took their assigned seats. You know, I didn't assign them seats. <laughs> they assigned their own seats. But they took their assigned seats. And we did the singing, you know, the, the special. I love singing. I love it. I love it so much. I can't wait to get it out, get it out of the way so I can preach. All right? <laughs> 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 and so, so, I'm sitting there waiting my turn. And I'm thinking, would you people hurry up? <laughs> you know, it was a sing, let's sing another song. No, let's don't. <laughs> and so finally, it was my turn. And I went to the pulpit and I said, Open your Bibles, please. Man, when I did, everybody's head went up. Like, what happened? What happened to him? And I preached that morning, and it was different. I don't know how to explain it to you, but it was different. I mean, when I got up and started to the pulpit, it's like something snapped inside of me. I preached that morning. I've often said, <laughs> I preached that morning like the church was on fire. Hell was in the front, out the front door, and the devil was coming through the back door. I mean, boom. And I gave, I said, let's bow for prayer. When we bowed for prayer, I heard movement. I thought, oh no, they're leaving. But they weren't leaving. They were coming to the altar. First time. I mean, I had been there a year and a half. I had preached all of my good sermons. <laughs> and not one person come to that altar. That morning, everybody came. You say, how do you know they were coming to the altar? Because I peeped. <laughs> <laughs> I 
know, like y'all do when you hear when you hear something. <laughs> yeah. And man, that altar was filled. And folks prayed. And folks prayed. And I saw dads hugging their teenage sons and sons hugging their dads. I saw teenagers apologizing for taking advantage of mom. And we had revival. It broke out that morning. And as they were going out the door, folks were saying, Preacher, what happened to you? I said, I don't know, but I don't like it. They said, we do too. <laughs> we do too. And you know what? I've just been snapped ever since. You know? I've, I, you just got to trust God and get God in on what you're doing. Amen. Amen. Let God help you. Amen. 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 Uh, it's 
I don't think he's going to make it. And I said, well, is he saved? And she said, no, he's not. She said, uh, do you do all tape? Do you record these messages? And I said, yeah. She said, you think I could start getting them? And I said, well, sure you can get them. She said, how much are they? And I said, we don't charge for them. We'll just give them to you. And so we had a table out there in the foyer where we were talking as she was going out the door. And there was a stack over there that this backslidden guy didn't pick up. <laughs> so I took them. And I grabbed all of them. There was about probably 50 or 60 in there. And I walked over and I said, here, you can have these. And I just gave her all of them. She goes, wow. I said, you're welcome. No problem. So about... I don't know, probably a month went by. Linda calls me on a Sunday afternoon, about an hour before church. She said, Pastor, you're not going to believe it. I said, what? Ken is coming to church tonight. He's, he wanted me to call you and ask you if he comes to church tonight, can he get saved? And then after he gets saved, can he get baptized? And I said, well, sure. She said, he's afraid he's not going to make it, and he doesn't want to go to heaven, uh, doesn't want to die unsaved, and he doesn't want to, to uh, go to heaven if he, does, if he can get saved tonight without being baptized. And I said, well, bless his heart. Of course. So, I, I mean, you know, <laughs> it's... It's one hour before church. So I went over to the church, uh, you know, got out of the car, and I see this car, I see Linda's car pull up. I see this guy getting out of the car. And when he got out, it's like he got out in stages, you know? I mean, he was just unfolding himself as he got out. And when he stood up, you ready for this? He was six foot nine. Six foot nine. Now remember, he wants to get baptized. <laughs> All right, but it gets worse. Because of heart failure, he had retained a lot of fluid. And he was about that wide at the shoulders. And you can imagine what the rest of him looked like. He later told me that he weighed 480 pounds. All I could think of was how in the world am I going to baptize? So I gave the message he sat right beside Linda. When I finished praying and we started the invitation, he stepped out. We sat down on the front row and I took the Bible and I said, Ken, do you, do you, do you, have you been listening to the CDs? He said, yeah. He said, that's why I'm here. That's why. He said, I am under such conviction. I can't stand it. I've got to get saved now. 
I said, wonderful. He said, you know what my wife's been doing. I said, no, what? He said, she gets me over to my chair and gets me comfortable, and then she goes over, and we have one of those CD players that has eight things in it. She puts eight of your CDs in there, pushes the play button, and leaps. I can't get up. So I just sit there and listen to you preach all day. I said, wonderful. He said, yeah. He said, I need to get saved. I said, all right, well, let me make sure you understand the gospel. So I started explaining the gospel to him. I said, do you understand you're a sinner? Oh, my, yes, I understand that. You know that sermon you preached on? on? I said, yeah. He said, that was very clear. I'm a sinner. I know that. I said, good. I said, all right, do you understand that Jesus came and, and died on the cross for you? He said, yeah. I said, do you understand that if you will, by faith, trust Him as your Savior, you can, you can be Amen. saved from your sin? He Amen. said, yes, I understand that. I said, good. I said, then let's pray right now and you can receive the Lord as your Savior. I said, you ready? And I said, just put your hand in mine right here. Well, he put his hand in mine. He said, now, wait a minute, wait a minute. I said, what is it? He said, you mean to tell me God can forgive me of any sin I've ever done? I said, that's right. Man, the old tears just started coming out of his eyes. That big old man sitting there and tears just dripping off of his face. My people are, they quit singing. We sang all five stanzas of Just As I Am and they just quit singing and the, and the organ was just playing softly in the background and everybody was praying. They could see the spiritual battle that was taking place on the front row. And so I, I explained to him that he, any sin he's ever committed would be forgiven under the blood of Christ, never to be remembered against him no more. Cast into the depths of the sea, as separated from God as far as the east is from the west. You know, if you start right here and you go south, you're going to go down to Antarctica and there's going to be a moment where you're going to not be going south anymore you're going to be going north but when you start right here and you go you go west you're always going west separated as far as east is from the west not the north but the south because that's only half a world. You see the point? You see what you see what the Lord was saying? Amen. Oh my, what a Bible we have. Amen. 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 And so I said, Ken, you understand? Yeah, I understand that. I, he said, I got it. And he said, I'm ready. I said, all right, let's pray. And then he said, now, now, Pastor, just one more time. I said, Ken, I mean, he did this like three or four times. <laughs> and it just could not register with him. And I said, our kid, now listen, I said, you think right now of the worst thing you have ever done in your life. He said, well, one time, no, don't <laughs> tell me. I don't want to know. Don't tell me. I said, you're going to tell God. He said, oh, wow, I get it now. And so I said, you ready to pray? And I prayed, and then he prayed, 
and he got saved. Amen. Amen. When we finished praying, my church folks broke out into applause. It was, and it took about 30 minutes for all this to happen. 30 minutes. He looked at me and he said, man, that was, that was easy. I thought, for you. For you. So he said, I said, you want to get baptized now? Can I? I said, did you get saved? Yes, I did. I said, if you die right now, where are you going? I'm going to heaven. I said, well, how do you know that? He said, because Jesus said if I would call upon him, he'd save me. And I did. And he has to save me. <laughs> I said, even regardless of what you did, regardless of what I've done. I said, well, praise the Lord, you can't get baptized. So we went back to the baptistry. And he got ready. And I got ready. <laughs> I thought this is I'm gonna get this is gonna be worse for me than for him. I can tell you that right now. So I walked down in the water and I and I, I Ken came down behind me. So here's this six foot nine man, four hundred pounds plus. I'm looking up at him like this. And I said, Ken, do you know the Lord Jesus Christ is your personal Savior? Do this. Yes, I do. Like that. Everybody, amen, amen, all over the church. These are Yankees. Yankees don't amen. <laughs> People live in north, the north part of America. Yankees. And they don't amen. Too sophisticated. <laughs> but these did. Oh man, they were. I mean, there was not a dry eye in the house. I said, Ken, you're trusting him and him alone as your only hope to get to heaven? Yes, I am, preacher. I sure am. I said, Then, my dear brother, upon this upon your profession of faith. I now baptize you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And I thought, hmm. <laughs> All right, Ken, I said, just, can you just sit down? <laughs> he said, well, yeah. I said, so he sat down and water just all over. <laughs> baptized everybody in the garden. <laughs> Out of, out of the back district. And so while he's sitting, his head was still above the water, looking like that. And I said, buried with him in baptism, raised to walk in newness of life. Amen. And when he came up out of there, you would have thought we were at a Baptocostal camp meeting. <laughs> My church went nuts. Amen. And then I had to get him up. I took a little effort. But I got him up. Got him up. And about a month later, Linda called and said, Ken has died. She said, are you at the office, Pastor? I said, yeah. She said, I'll be right there. I live five minutes away. So she came over to the office and she said, Pastor, i got to tell you something before you agree to do this funeral. I said, well, what's that? She said, well... 
this is why I was kind of secretive. I said, okay, what, what? She said, Ken was one of two enforcers for the Outlaws motorcycle gang chapter here in Joliet, where we lived. Now, the Outlaw motorcycle gang, you've heard of Hell's Angels, right? Yes. You've heard of that motorcycle gang? The Outlaws make the Hell's Angels look like Girl Scouts. All right? I mean, these guys are the baddest of the bad. They are animals. And I said, well, Linda, sure, I don't care. I said, he got saved, that's all that matters. We baptized him into our church, that's all that matters. And I'm his pastor, of course I'll do his funeral. And so I, we did his funeral. Went over to the funeral home for the viewing. Black wreaths hanging all over the walls from all the chapters across America. And they have this little yellow ribbon on them that says one percent. And I asked Linda, I said, what's this one percent? She said, one percent of, of the world's people, one percent don't care. They just don't care. They don't care what the rules are. They don't care what the law is. They don't care. They just don't care. And the outlaws are that 1%. Those animals came by his casket and they put drugs in there. Linda wanted me to stand with her, so I stood at the casket with her. And everybody came by, she said, oh, hey, and they all have aliases. They all have nicknames. Ken's name was Yogi, like Yogi Bear. Right? He was Yogi, because he was a big bear. They called him Yogi. And so Linda would say, uh, Ken got saved in our church. You shouldn't put that in there. Ken got saved, he's not gonna need that. Where he's gone, he's not gonna need that. You know, they put cigarettes in there, they put uh, alcohol in there. He loved evidently uh, um, uh, spiced rum. They had all kinds of spiced rum in his casket. And I told the funeral home director, I said, now when you shut, before you shut this casket, take all that garbage out. He said, we always do. I said, good. And so she would say, Kid got saved. This is a man that led him to the Lord. Here, read this. This will tell you how you can get saved too. So the next morning was the funeral. <coughs> there were 1,250 plus motorcycles in the parking lot of the funeral home. They had a beer wagon. They brought kegs of beer and set up a beer wagon. They brought old tires in and built a bonfire, raging bonfire, in the parking lot. I walked in the funeral home and the funeral home director was standing against the wall like this. <laughs> he was scared to death. 
He said, Preacher, you sure you want to do this? I said, well, yeah, ma'am, why not? What's your problem? He said, you see those guys? I said, yes, I've seen those guys. He said, did you see all that stuff they put in his casket? Yes, I saw it. He said, mercy, these people are animals. I said, yeah, they are. Well, about that time, Linda came in, and, and she, she said, hey, preacher. I said, hey. She said, I'll be right back. She said, I'm going to go to the, to the ladies' room. And so she just marched right past me. Well, just right behind her came this fellow with two bodyguards. And he walked up to me and he said, you the preacher? I said, yeah, who are you? <laughs> Not my brightest move. <laughs> he said, my name is Blood. He said, I'm the... I'm the head of this chapter. I said, oh. I said, well, Mr. Blood, good to meet you. I stuck my hands out. He stuck his hand and we shook hands. He said, and when you're done with this thing, you just clear out. Just, just get in your car and go at the cemetery. I said, okay, whatever. I said, but I'm doing my thing. He said, oh, yeah, yeah, I have no problem with that. Just do whatever. And he, he said, all right, see you. And he, I said, whoa, whoa, whoa. He turned around, and he was about three steps, and I said, whoa, whoa, whoa. Where are you going? He said, well, I'm not, I'm not sitting in here for this. I said, why not? Why not? When Yogi, your friend? He said, I'm not staying in here. And he looked at me, he stared at me, gave me the creeps, the way he stared at me. You know? Like, I'm going to kill you. <laughs> That's what I felt. And you ready for this? In the funeral home, turns around, spits at the floor at my feet. And then he turned around in a huff and started walking. And I don't know why I did it. Duh. <laughs> I said, Are you chicken? <laughs> that was a, that was my second dumbest move. He turned around like this. He walked right up to me and got in my face and he said, "Let me tell you something, Reverend. I'm not afraid of anything." I said, "Then stay here. Stay here." About that time, Linda came out and he turned and walked away when he saw Linda. And I told Linda what had happened. She said, oh, he, they won't stay. None of them stay. I said, well, we'll see about that. So I went outside and I said, we're about ready to start. You need to go in. We're about ready to start. You need to go in. We're about ready to start. You don't, don't need to go in. We're about ready to start. Come on. Come on. Yogi wouldn't expect you guys to be here. Come on. Come on. Everybody come and about 80 of them came in. About 80 of them. I preached a sermon on Jesus on the center cross and the two thieves, one on each side. One of them got saved at the nick of time. The other rejected. 
made the parallel that Yogi got saved at, in the nick of time. In the nick of time. While I'm preaching, I saw something out of the corner of my eye, and I looked over, and it was blood. <laughs> he didn't come in. stayed out here in the hallway and listened. Now, I'll just go ahead and tell you, blood never did get saved. And he died, a lost man, as far as I know. But I tried so hard to win it in Christ. Just wasn't successful. That I know. Now, he might have got saved in the end. He got sick. He got cancer. He was down to just skin and bones. And I went to see him, begged him to get saved. He stood there, or sat there, laid there in that bed, and cried and said, Preacher, you're the only one who came to see me. The only one. Oh, I felt so bad for him. Felt so bad for him. So when I finished preaching, I gave the invitation. And I said, I said, now, if you if you want to get saved, I mean, I just gave the gospel, clear, clear and simple. And I said, if you want to get saved, I said, I want you right now to bow your head and pray and ask Jesus to come into your life and save you. I said, now will you do that? And I saw heads going up and down. I mean, they were with me. They were right there with me. I said, let's pray. And so I prayed and I said, now I want you to pray. And one of them looked up at me like, oh, I don't know how to pray. And I said, well, let me help you pray. I said, but you mean it. You mean it. You're not praying to me. You're praying to God. You mean it. And so I led them in prayer. I said, you just you just pray with me here right now. Dear Heavenly Father, and you heard all over that, all over that funeral. Dear Heavenly Father. <laughs> Those old, you know, tough guys. Dear Heavenly Father. And about 38 of them got saved. Amen. I told them, I said, after they after they raised their hand to tell me they got saved, I said, now if you meant it, I want you to get up right now and I want you to come and shake my hand and tell me you got saved. And 39 of them came and told me. Linda just about lost it. She was so excited. And for months until I left that church and came to the church where I am now, for months after that, Every Sunday morning, except for when it snowed. They didn't come when it snowed. They came in cars. But every Sunday morning, I would hear, boom, 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 out in the parking lot, boom, 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 boom. And then they would walk in the back door. When they stepped in the door, they'd wave at me and sit down on the back row. Every Sunday morning. Did they get saved? I think they did. Yeah. I think they did. They baptized two of them. Two of them came and said, I heard you talking about getting baptized. I remember my mom talking about that. What's that all about? And I I don't have one anymore, but I had a Harley. That was my, uh, my present to myself when I earned my doctorate. 
I bought myself a Harley Davidson. I've ridden motorcycles all my life. And so I would be riding my bike and they'd go by and, and they would see it was me and they would, they would all, two fingers, two fingers down. That means, hey buddy, hey buddy. Yeah, I became their friend. And that funeral home director, I don't know, he's probably still standing there. <laughs> I don't know that for sure. But I wouldn't be surprised. But after the funeral was over with, we got in his vehicle and drove to the cemetery. And we came back to the funeral home for me to get my car and as we were coming back he said preacher he said you're either crazy or you're the bravest man I've ever met in my life and I said well I'm crazy <laughs> I'm telling you folks you get God in on what you're doing and you'll see some amazing things amen Heavenly Father, thank you so much for your wonderful word. I pray you'll bless this to our hearts. Give us understanding of what we have heard tonight. Father, the filling of the Spirit is not just for the pastor or the evangelist or the missionary. All of us can have the fire of God in our lives as we serve you. Father, I pray that fire of God will fall upon this pastor, upon this church, upon all these preachers that are here, that Lord, you'll help them to pray and seek your face. You said, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh, not just preacher flesh, but all flesh. So Father, do your work in our hearts. I pray that, as was said a little while ago in the sermon, that we'll all be more comfortable on our faces, on our knees, than we are at our seat. So, Father, bless, I pray, in Jesus' name. Our heads bowed and our eyes closed. Would you be willing to make an altar? You know, an altar is anywhere you meet God. Anywhere you meet God. Would you be willing to make an altar? where you are right now. Would you be willing? How about just, guys, if you'll just find you a place to pray or turn around and use the seat that you were sitting in and just make an altar out of that seat. Tell God you want His blessing. You want His power. You want His fire burning in your heart. I'm going to ask our pianist please play the song that's been chosen. As he plays, listen, if God's done something for you tonight, <clears throat> you do something. The Bible says, if we draw nigh to him, he'll draw nigh to us. God bless each one of you. God bless you.
what a wonderful sight this is. Everybody that I can see is praying. Everybody is seeking, seeking the Lord. every hour. Boy, we do, don't we? Fulfill that. 
will fail our design. Thank you, Father, for um, um, bringing to us uh, Pastor Belcher, and I pray that you will continue to use him also. And we praise you, Lord, for your um, kindness to us, for making us um, come together and to be steered in our hearts, in our soul, that, um, Lord, uh, we can do the things that you want us to do in the ministry. Bless all of us here tonight. Bless every uh, church represented in this meeting. And bless every home, O oh God, that is also represented in our worship tonight. We praise you, O oh God. We thank you for all the things that you have done. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Praise the Lord. Let's, uh, let's sing the final hymn. We will have the final hymn. Thank <laughs> you.